I'm so glad you could join us this week as we continue on uh, our opportunity to share stories with one another that we haven't had the chance to see before. And uh, I'm really excited this week to have back Kat, Riley, Jason, and Daniel, everybody. I'm so glad you could be here. But Kat, what movie are we watching this week? It's your pick. Uh, This week, we're talking about one of my favorite documentaries that I've ever seen. Um, Usually, I come at it with the horror movies, but these are ones that really meant something. Um, The one that we watched was a documentary that came out in 2012 called The Imposter. And filmmaker Bart Layton chronicles the tale of Frederick Bourdain, a con artist who seemingly tricked a Texas family into believing he was a relative who disappeared years earlier. So it takes place in 1997, the con, not the actual movie. But I picked this movie because it was really well-received across all platforms, although it didn't make a a billion dollars it was a documentary and it just for me it seems like one of those movies that people or one of those stories that people would use to make a film in Hollywood that wouldn't be real but would have great twists but it actually happened and a 13 year old boy goes missing in a small town in the U.S. and three years and a half years later they claim to find him in Spain And the person that they found who is saying that he is him is older, looks different, different hair, different eye color, different dominant hands, everything to the point where you could sit there and say, how could this family be so naive to believe that this is actually their kid? But it talks a lot about, or it speaks, I think, a lot on grief and people, how people handle that and the desperation for hope and the want for hope to the point where you will bring a stranger into your family and accept him um, just to feel like there's, you have some hope for the real person that you're grieving over. So that's why I wanted to bring it to you guys and tell you how awesome that was. That's great. I'm so glad that you shared it with us. Um, as always, just a reminder, this podcast is rated S for spoilers, but for the rest of you, I'd love to hear what did you think? of the imposter uh i really liked it um i like true crime um but uh i hadn't heard of this case before the only thing that i had had close to knowledge of in terms of serial imposters as you would call them would be i I think i mentioned while we were watching it is uh, catch me if you can um but this was really interesting to me because i went into this movie not knowing that the guy was fake um i'm not um like i thought it was just like it from the grief standpoint of the of the the family not believing that this kid was theirs but to have that sort of flip on me, it was really interesting because for like the majority of the movie, I felt guilty 
about something that happened in like 1997 because they because I knew that this guy was a fake and these guys were just like sitting here being like oh I'm so happy that my child is back and I'm like "Mm." but I don't know I really liked it it was really interesting to sort of see the flashes of um sort of how they were portraying the the events happening and then seeing the actual people sort of talking about their experiences through it and sort of what they were feeling and how like you know, the sister was saying when she went to uh, to uh, Spain to pick him up or whatever, like she didn't even, she barely looked at him. Like she just didn't care. She just wanted to have him back. It was, it was really interesting. I liked it. Uh, no, I also, uh, I enjoyed it as well. Um, I too, like I had never heard about this um, before. Um, I'm not much of a like a true crime listener or watcher. Um, I prefer fake crime. Um, but uh, this was like pretty cool. Like I, I've watched a few documentaries in the past, but I don't think any of them were actually like true crime based. So this was kind of a first for me. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was weird. I was I mean, like I was watching it kind of like, you know, thinking like how how are these people not realizing that's not like their son or brother, family member, like you know, yeah, from the ages of thirteen to sixteen, seventeen, like you do grow up, and you know your your body changes. Um, but I feel like it doesn't change to the extent of where you look like a completely different person. Um, but again, like he was spinning this tale about, you know, having like chemicals put into his eye so that it changed his eye color and being forced to speak Spanish. So that's why he has an accent. So I don't know, like knowing that it was like fake the whole time, I'm kind of like, how are these, like, what is going on with this family but I guess if you know if you're in that sort of of grief or or probably mourning uh like you know they were just kind of looking past it um but they were also like closer to the end like insinuating that like maybe the family had something to do with like the the boy getting lost initially maybe he wasn't actually lost but something more sinister happened so they played along saying that oh yeah like this is our brother in Spain um because it you know they had to keep up a story which if that's true I would love to hear more about that and I would like to watch Imposter 2 Among Us Sus or whatever it would be called um because I want to hear more about that but I mean, who knows? Um, but yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. And uh, it was really cool. It, it was also just cool to hear about, like, he had, I think it was, what, over 400 uh, fake identities that, like, uh, this guy did. I don't remember his name. Um, but, like, he had done it, like, so many times and just kept getting away with it. Like, he's not in prison for the rest of his life I, I don't know it was weird but it was it was really cool um overall so yeah 
wonder um, if they could do like not a mini documentary, like a, like a mini documentary, like a TV documentary on his life, because the details that he had about the kidnapping and everything that happened to him um, and how his life was growing up is, I wonder how much is fact and fiction between what he's using as the excuse of why he's changed and stuff that may have happened to him. Um, and I think like, like Riley had said, the sister had basically said, I'm coming to get my brother. This is my brother. And that's what it's going to be. Like she had already decided no matter what, even after the FBI had told her, like, this guy's not your brother. Um, don't come to the airport. She was there even afterwards. And I think just the way that, like, how much do we talk about and give away about ourselves that we don't even know about that people could kind of take and run with? For example, in the section where she just came and gave him all this information through the pictures of who his family was, this is your uncle, and him just saying tiny little things like, oh, he's grown, or oh, he looks heavier just throw out things that anyone could say about anyone really and she just handed him all this information to the point where he could trick almost everyone on a panel of judges to see when they said oh you've never seen these photos before how much of it was fed to him as well and given to him and the part about um him blaming the family for the disappearance it really i think is the last ditch effort to get the get the spotlight off of him and for him to try to kind of fade into that and use that because all of a sudden they were cleared it would be very interesting if something happened but yeah it's just how much can someone find out and use against you with just a few little questions it's kind of freaky even how he was a teenager and he was called and left alone in a police station and just called the center for missing persons and got all this information. It's it's amazing. The level of psychosis it would take to do this is astounding to me. Like it just is. I, as I was, I, uh, I I liked it better the second time. I I watched it a second time because I fell asleep when we watched it the first time. I was kind of bored. We I, know. You oh you know. <laughs> Yeah, it was just me and Kat watching for a little while. <laughs> My camera was off. How did you know? I think Riley like, and Jason hello? were there, but they just weren't talking in the chat. But there was a point oh. where it was just me and Daniel. I was so yeah, cool. No, I, I, I was there the whole time, I think. I might have gotten up to go to the washroom like once, but like I just don't chat. I'm trying to focus. <laughs> okay, so, so I was asleep. Um, I woke up at the end credits with the last three minutes and tried to piece together. Uh, I, I saw most of it, but then I went back and rewatched uh, rewatched the the parts I missed. And um, uh, it's it's such an unbelievably dark story on so many levels. Like, and then the the ending the way that it ends with this with the suggestions about the actions of the family it's like oh this is so much worse than i thought <laughs> i thought it was catch me if you can you can riley you referenced catch me if you can earlier and when we were watching it you did this is not catch me if you can 
Catch Me If You Can was like him forging a few checks and, you know, everybody's well, like, ooh, look at how funny he is. I'm like, yo, this is dark. He faked abuse. <laughs> well, this is like, that That was like the only correlation I could have is Catch Me If You Can. That's the only other thing that I've ever heard of, like serial right. imposterness in. Yeah. Yeah. This no, I closer to Identity Thief with Melissa McCarthy. It's always got to come back to McCarthy with you, doesn't it? It's always yes. coming back to McCarthy. Is it? But the thing is, is like, was it all made up? Did this happen to him, and he's just using it to get through? What? He was a he was a child actor when he was younger. That's also a thought that I had, though, with with like the story, right? Because like, even what was it that FBI lady or Interpol lady who was saying like. Like people don't just make this stuff up, yeah. right? Like, especially not to that degree. Like how much of this stuff like actually happened to him and he just uses over and over because like, obviously he could say it with full truth that it happened to him because it did. Yeah. And it says like, he didn't have a dad and his mom was really distracted like as a person. So like he was always kind of seen as an outcast and when he was a kid he started Im to impersonate orphans of a way of getting attention so this is almost like a um how do you say like a survival technique maybe like your mom's not around so we'll just pretend I'm an orphan so I can get some attention and food and and love mm -hmm. I don't understand why Daniel said slay. That confused me. He started acting at a young age. Oh. Um, yeah, no, it, it, man. And, and the, the interesting thing about his character, and I say his character because he, he feels like he's playing a role throughout the whole documentary. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, he's both sympathetic and, like, not at all. It's so interesting it's like he can turn it on and off and i guess he has mm -hmm. uh, and, but i mean still it's uh it was, i i man i i just can't fathom it like as i was watching it i'm like i just don't i don't get this guy and it's not because i wasn't interested i just i had no connection with him i'm like i just don't understand how you work and I guess that's the appeal, right? Like, it's sort of part of the appeal. It's like there's this, then there's still the mystery of the missing son. Um, and then it ends on that, like, the guy's still digging in the yard. Right? It's, it's like, uh, I half expected him to to hit a rock and say, I found something. And then the camera cut. Like, I was like, yeah, that's what they're playing it as, right? We're going to keep digging. You know, that's what it is. Um. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I did, you know, you said something earlier, Kat, and I was thinking about this when I was watching it is, you know, assuming that the parents are not involved, let's assume for a minute the parents have nothing to do with the, the missing son. Um, the, the amount of difficulty, I don't know, difficulty is not the word but the ability to convince themselves 
of something that did or did not happen. I mean, the mind is such a fragile thing, right? Like, um, but I mean, in this particular case, I, you know, we, no, no, this is really who it is. Well, there's all these things that say he isn't. Well, I have, a, I have an excuse for all of them. Oh, okay. Exactly. Um, what do you mean you're telling me that this isn't our child who is speaking with a French accent from Spain? What do you mean? <laughs> but again, like, like his, his, his response was not unreasonable. Um, he said, you know, it was, he was forced to do these things and that's why it's affected his speech and, um, and trauma response and all this stuff. And, and who are, and who argues with that? Right. Who are you to say to a kid that they're not traumatized? That's the beauty of it. Right. Like even he was to the point, and like Daniel said, he's got over 40 of these that he's um, committed. There's one tagline for the movie and it says, there are two sides to every lie. Mm. So if you look at it in the way that like, there are two parties involved and there are two parties lying. One's to themselves and one's to another person. The sister was very confident in saying that she was bringing her brother home. She wasn't going home without her brother. Yeah. And this family had a loss that was tragic and scary. The, what, the person I wanted to hear from a lot was the brother because the brother had come in and literally looked, took one look at him and said, what, I can't remember what he said to him. It's like, good luck. luck or something like that. Yeah. And refused to have anything to do with him and said from the beginning, it wasn't him. And that was the brother who unfortunately was the one who told his, told Nicholas to walk back from the basketball court. And that's how he ended up getting taken. So I wonder what his experience of all of this is. Like, my family's mourning. I'm not going to fight you. Mm. I, would, I, I would even want to hear him just, like, talk about what his experience was like, just, like, around his family after that. I want to know if maybe he didn't want to say anything because maybe, like, you know, maybe his family blamed him you know and yeah, he didn't want to he didn't want to start that again by you know oh well you're the reason your brother was missing in the first place and now you're telling us when we find him that it's not even him like who do you think you are type deal you know excuse me um, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like, maybe he's like, crap, like now they're finally happy. And I mean, he had addiction issues himself. Um, and I mean, who wouldn't after a tragedy like that and feeling the way he might have felt, but for him to be the one who was there the day his brother disappeared. And I would think if I was in his shoes, the one who would want it so desperately to be his brother so he could have that guilt removed from him. him was the only one who was like, nope, I'm not having anything to do with this. Um, I'd like to hear from Jason to hear what mm -hmm. he thought. 
He hasn't said much. It's not Jason. There's just an imposter on the other line. <laughs> it's true. There's no picture. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I thought it was okay. The movie. It was interesting. Like you know, it being actually happened. Um, the whole time though, I was like, "Oh my God, these guys are idiots. How are they believing this?" I was like, "I would never fall for this scam." I was like, "This is like worse than a pyramid scheme. This is just like, just like so dumb. It's obviously not him. Like the, it's like one step lower from like a kid from a totally different race showing up." And being like, hey, I'm your kid. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It is interesting because I guess you could say, oh, he's such a good con artist. Um, but yeah, that is weird. And then I, it, it is something to think of. Like, they probably did, like, maybe kill the, the original kid or something. Or something happened. Like, I know it was alluding to it at the end. But that's like a whole different thing. And that was a lot more interesting, I think, than the, than the little con artist. I am interested in knowing why you thought we needed to see this cat. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I honestly, because when I first saw it, it was one of those movies where I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was like, I went through all of the emotions, I feel like. Like, I felt sorry for the family. I was mad at this imposter, but then I was angry at the family for believing him. And then I went through the whole part about like, maybe the family did do this. And I also, one thing that really like hit me when I was watching it was the fact that like, at the beginning, you're like, oh, this poor family, it's cut and dry, it's black and white. Um, this poor all-American family has lost a a family member, which is all true, but then you learn that things weren't as rosy as they think, right? Like this kid was um, a hard kid to have. He did have a troubled past. He had run away in the, in the past and their family was going through strife which and conflict, which actually made it easier for me to believe that they would fall for something like this. Like, I just felt like it was like, things are not always as they seem. And these are things that are happening. And what is grief doing to us? Like, you could sit there for me, like, you idiots, like, how could you not see this? This is literally a French man coming to you and telling you this stuff. But it was just one of those movies where I sat after and I thought about it for like a long time. And I really tried to process it. And I thought, you know what, this is something that I think people should see because how crazy is this that this happens and it happens internet it happened internationally and it happened with a family that I don't know that's just one of those normal families there isn't this like big story with them this was just a struggling family who needed something to hold on to um and him as a person, this imposter, like his whole story and the fact that you can't be, you have to be pretty friggin' smart to be able to do this. And what was your situation growing up that led all of this to occurring at the same time? Like one of the quotes from him was before I was born, I definitely had the wrong identity. 
I already knew, I already know, I was already prepared not to know who I really was. Mm. And a new identity with a real passport, an American passport, he could start over. And who doesn't want to do that sometimes? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want to just have a new identity, especially like growing up with a background that maybe you're not loving or a family that you don't love? But all of that wrapped up into this story and so neatly packaged by this um, like producer was just so well done, I felt, if that answers the question. If it's one thing to start over, it's another thing to have 40 different identities. <laughs> And that's the other thing that makes this such an interesting movie to me is that this man is still alive. He is married and has five children now. He spent time in psychiatric wings. He spent time um, in jail. And now he's just living this life of like, well, that was a fun and interesting young adult life. And we don't know what the marriage is like or how he is as a father, but now he's just living in France done with his adventures maybe he only has one kid and the kid (laughs) taken after his father ironically he pretends to be the other two of them that's what it is he just plays all five kids for his wife (laughs) yeah it's it's the end of psycho is what it is it's just all all the characters are him (laughs) right my other kid is calling me from the other room where he can't be in the room with the other kid Hello, Daddy. Are you there? Yes, Dave. Let me be with you. I'll be right over there. <laughs> so after all of this, is this man crazy because he's able to do this? Or is he just like hyper intelligent and now is retired? How does that happen? So that's what I think that both maybe. Yeah. Like you have to have some serious mental health issues, but to be able to control people the way he did and perform the way he did, he... I think he's definitely a genius, like a hundred percent. And, you know, a lot of like, I suppose you could say like, quote unquote, like true geniuses were seen as psychotic or unempathetic or crazy, right? Because they they were just operating on uh, on a different level from other people. And, you know, this guy, he is in my mind, a hundred percent a genius does that excuse anything that he did make him any less of a terrible person no and i think he should definitely be in jail i don't know why he's in france with his one or five children um but but i think he was a genius and i think that there is definitely a mental health standpoint probably coming from you know the fact of you know him having to pretend to be an orphan to get love as a child or something but um I don't know. I, I think he's definitely genius. Do you oh. think he is in contact with that family he's on? Wait, you think he calls him up on weekends? And... They send him money? Maybe? No. <laughs> he calls him up and says, hey, it's your son. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a French accent. It's <laughs> You know, there's a sociopathy to it too, right? Like we talk about the movies like you did with the big. The big tall. Bad wolf. 
No, wait. <laughs> What's the one that we watched that was Jason's? Big Short. Jason's and the Giant Peach. The Big Short. Teams or... and the Giant Peach. That's what? <laughs> that we, we, Pastor. <laughs> I think it's one in every hundred person or one and mostly males um, are sociopaths. And we think of sociopaths as like these evil demon people that are like killing and have no regard for anything. Like we see that in all of our like serial killers and a lot of sociopathy in that. But in everyday people, we're passing at least one every hundred people. And some of them are like in the big short where a lot of sociopathic tendencies are found in people that are doing big business that have to have those cutthroat feelings and, you know, kind of step on the little guy to get higher. And we're seeing it in him as well in the sense that he has no regard. And honestly, I don't feel like the family had anything to do with the death of this kid. I feel like it was just a tragedy. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they did. But the fact that he was able to get this far and then when it was when he was caught in it by the FBI, he was like, oh, no, 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 no. You know what? I think the family is in on it. Go check them out. And to just not only manipulate and con a family in grief, then be able to throw them under the bus to save himself. I don't understand how he is married and having a relationship with someone and kids right now. Because if you are a true sociopath, I mean, there are many sociopaths that are married and have kids and whatever, but it's just incredible to think about the manipulation that that took. And the, hey, you know what? The will to survive, to put yourself first and say, I need to survive. I need to eat. I need to have what I need to have. And I'm going to do whatever I can to get it. I think it would be funny to find out that he was like working in a McDonald's or something out there. You know, he's like, or, or, or a bank. That'd be amazing. If he was working in a bank, then you got your catch me if you can. That'd be great. Right? He's just chilling in right like. There. I just wrote a great story for a sequel. <laughs> or that it would be even greater if he actually didn't have all of those, that family or anything. It was just mannequins in his house or like oh he gosh. messed up like, <laughs> you know, the what was the movie? Um, was it? Uh, the one with the motel psycho where he's yeah, just psycho. like dresses up as his own wife <laughs> that's Del what i want it the, this it's staggering and you know i i don't judge the family at all no not in the least i know i've heard people say how could they believe it hey uh we've talked a little bit about uh, the mind, I think, off and on a little, and a little, through the films we've been watching and stuff, but I think the mind is such a fragile thing, and I think memories are are fragile, Can and you can convince yourself things, good or bad, mm -hmm. and um, they hadn't seen their, their, their son in four years, their brother. And then they get a call, like he didn't walk up to the front door and say, mom, I'm home. No, he was just a random. It, it, he yeah. sort of showed up on the radar. Like it, it, 
the story tracked. He he plot he planned it well for the most part. Um, so I mean, yeah, I'm sure they wanted to believe that, and and I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't think that makes them stupid. I think that I don't even I don't think that makes them stupid or weak. I think it makes them broken and sad and hurt and scared. And we think we found an answer, so we're going to do this. They um, needed it too, just as much yeah. as he did maybe. That's the saddest part of this whole thing. To be honest. I mean, Grief. he's crazy in all he's crazy he's a crazy genius whatever he wanted to settle on or both or whatever. But it's the sentence at the end that this, I think it's the sister says or something that says, um, I, all of a sudden we were back to square one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's the worst. That's the worst thing here to me. That's the worst thing to wake they lost up one him morning. Again. Yeah, because they had, screw what happened with the guy. They had pieced together a part of their story they lost. Mm-hmm. And then it was taken away from them again with no answer. Unless, you know, unless they really know what happened and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the same person actually makes a comment. Why would we fake somebody coming home when nobody was looking for them anyway? Mm-hmm. And do this thing. It's like, yeah, why, why would you? It's like, well, everybody just assume they're missing. No one suspects you of murder. Oh, look, he's back. And he's a psychopath. It doesn't. It doesn't make any logical sense. But it's that. It's that. It's that death of death of closure that I think is the most devastating part of this whole whole film. Yeah, greatly said. That's exactly it. So another new pick. Another pick me up kind of movie. Yeah. We are in this trend of dark films. I don't think it's getting any lighter. Um, are we wrapping up here? Is that are we sort of wrapping up? No, like if anyone has anything else, like Daniel or um, Jason, I just wanted to say that I looked him up on Wikipedia, and I think it's amazing that like he was born in 1974, so he's just like a bit younger than Steve. Oh my god! <laughs> Anytime I can. I like that you said he's a bit like the. I think it's amazing that he was born in 1974. I'm sorry, like, he's 47, but his occupation serial imposter from 1990 to 2007. So that's good I was like, with that. Is yeah. he is he working in a bank somewhere? But he <laughs> apparently, after he married this woman, um, he made a Facebook post stating that his wife had left him and that she hadn't been she'd been unhappy for ten years, and she left him and the children, or he she left him with their children. So she took the kids and no one knows the status of where she is right now or where the kids are, but some, a TV, um, Ooh, that could have gone very dark, but it's, I'm sure she's fine. <laughs> um, a TV producer, like a TV show interviewed him after the birth of his first child, that was a daughter and said, 
is this it? Like, are you, now that you're a father and a husband, um, are you going to become a new person? And he said, no, this is who I am. So I don't know if that was like, this is who I am in reality, or is this like, no, I'm an imposter by nature. Like, I don't know. Man. It was actually, the daughter was actually just one of those dolls that you get in family planning classes with like- right? It's Annabelle. <laughs> that'll wrap go right back into horror movies so this is <laughs> there it is fact, it, ties, it, it tracks train of horror it, movies it tracks Cats but i think thought. i think this is a movie that you can't miss because it's on a level that you wouldn't know was out there and it really does bring about conversation about grief and trauma and, you know, why was he never looked for? Because he was from a lower income family? Like, I don't know. No, because he had 40 different identities. No, Nicholas Barclay. Oh, oh, the kid. I'm like, the guy owned every house on a block and he was everybody. <laughs> was it's treated. a very tiring life. It's, it's like, uh, what's that movie that you like? With uh, Jim Carrey. Truman Show. <laughs> Truman Show, but he's just every character. He's every character. Including the director. When the, the police director. were uh, canvassing the neighborhood, he was just running out the back door to the next <laughs> yeah. a quick costume change. No, no, cat. It's like men. Uh, I don't which even we... want to speak to you about that, Billy. The <laughs> fact that you sent me to watch that film and did not prepare me at all for the amount of... Well, I guess I it was tried. just one penis so many times. <laughs> Than like 80 vaginas. I remember was... the end where everything just became a birthing vagina. I told I told you not to watch. You said it was gory. You didn't tell me I was watching a birth eight times. You didn't stare at part. it. I just did this. <laughs> I did this. But you're still watching. This is this does nothing. This does, this does nothing. It gives me the opportunity to quickly it's close it. That movie movies. was so messed up, it wasn't even funny. You guys want to see a movie that's going to scar you for life? Watch Men. I had no idea what I was going into. I hadn't seen the trailer or poster or anything. And then, but the grossest thing is that with all the gore, the only thing that bothered me was that his ankle was so broken and he was trying to walk. They have no idea what you're talking about. You know, anyway. At the end with the husband. No, I know what you're talking about. They have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, oh, they. Anyways, if you haven't seen Imposter, watch it. It's something that's a great watch. It's only an hour and a half. And it's real. That's what I love about documentaries. They document things that are real. <laughs> oh, I just got that. Right? <laughs> Um, initially, the family hadn't wanted to participate in the documentary at all because they had been so poorly portrayed in the media regarding the, the fact that Nicholas was missing and had been treated terribly by media. But they eventually did decide to do it after speaking to the producer and all of their memorabilia of Nicholas the only things that they have left because remember they mentioned in there they had a house fire were all that we saw. Hmm. So they lost him kind of multiple times. But see it. 
All right, what watch about, it, damn it. <laughs> what about the rest of you? Is this a movie to be missed? I'm of two minds. Um, if you're one like me who likes true crime, I'd say to not. No, like to not miss it. <laughs> Calm down, Catherine. But um, because like I never knew that this case existed. And then, you know, after the, the after I watched it, I looked it up and I read about it and I read about the guy and it was really interesting. And, you know, but if you're one who's like, you know, afraid of things that go bump in the dark or whatever, and you don't want to read something or hear something that's like true, then, you know, if you miss it, it's not going to be the end of the world. But I'd say that for me, for me and my, what my interests are, and for people who have interests like me, it's, it's a movie that you shouldn't miss. Okay. Daniel, JT. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you like to, you know, kind of be questioning everything that's happening in the, in a movie, like you want to be on the edge of your seat, trying to figure everything out, then it's definitely a, a watch it. Um, even if you don't, and you just like documentaries or like Riley said, like true crime, like yeah you know this one was a good one um it wasn't boring which i know that's a, a lot of reasons why people don't watch documentaries is they always just think oh it's going to be boring like you know a monotone voice just talking over like stock images or whatever but like this one was you know kind of entertaining so i think it's definitely one to watch um if you don't like documentaries whatsoever or don't like true crime or thriller type stuff then you know, go watch Men or something, you know. <laughs> Maybe you'll like that more. Or Velocipaster, whatever. Um, but no, I definitely recommend this one. T? It was okay. Um, I, I guess I'm not really a fan of, like, documentaries and true crime. Um, it was interesting. I, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I, I would say I would say I, I could have I could have missed it. And then I guess the viewer could have missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I could have missed it. So then you could miss it. <laughs> the, the, the logic tracks. It was just how you got there that was amazing. Um, no, it's I don't know. It was it was good, but at the same time, if you're not a fan of documentaries or true crime, you're you're probably gonna get a bit bored. Um, this story in particular was it was interesting, but it was hard to watch, and it was like you feel a little disgusted with this guy. And you do want to see him get caught, and then you find find the original kid, which I don't know. Did they ever even find him? Like, what happened to this? Kid? No, they haven't found the kid. You think he's dead or like? an adult somewhere or uh, that's crazy but yeah he's just sitting at home watching the imposter and laughing like he just like ran away <laughs> don't see it in the movie but nicholas was actually the imposter impostering himself so he's never been there the whole time <laughs> he was the french man 
you think it's possible that the French guy killed the kid and then took his place? Or is that no, he was he was in Spain at that or he was in France and Spain. He had never been to the US. Okay. Interesting. He could lie. <laughs> That's true. He could lie and be like, uh, I was there, but I wasn't. Um but no, it was, it was good, but I think it was mythical still. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, okay. So I'm already conflicted because I fell asleep watching it. <laughs> so cat eight in, eight in the evening. It's like, yeah. I'm usually in bed by six fifteen. So this was up late for me. And <laughs> No, I, I think, um, I think the story is is excellent. I didn't think the film was that great. I think the film was a bit of a, a bit talking heady for a documentary, um, at, at times. Um, so, and I think that I think that's why. I think that's all it was. It was just the style for me, but the story is unbelievable. Like the story, like it, like if so the story the story is wild um would it be my favorite of documentaries no but it, i'm not a big true crime person either admittedly like i saw another i and i do like documentaries i've grown like over the last few years i've grown to really enjoy documentaries especially especially good ones but if they're a little bit too talking heady you know where it's sort of like interview clip interview clip but i've seen i saw one this week and it was fabulous and it had it balanced animation and all this stuff. Anyway, I'm dovetailing away from the film. So, I mean, I think it's a movie for me that has an incredible story. And if you're a true crime person, it's don't miss it. But I mean, if you're a casual film goer, I could have missed it. I'm, I'm with JT on that, but I, I thought the film was, I thought the story was amazing. Like, I'm glad you showed us to the, showed it to us cat. Like it really is a wild, wild story. Frederick. Oh, you were on mute there. I didn't hear what you said. All I saw oh, was I said I just take off of my mask and I'm just Frederick. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That's I it. liked it too so because the actual imposter was interviewed, right? Like he had his side of the story too. Um, I did look it up and Nicholas was 13 when he went missing, and he's still listed as missing. He'd be 40, he'd be my age today. <gasps> I am Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I appreciate you guys watching it because I always love. Pat, question: Do you know how how old was Frederick when he impersonated Nicholas? I believe in the in the documentary. I believe he was 26. Oh wow! Yeah. So it was like Hollywood casting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, I think like they said was, he, was he, was, he was 23. Either 23, yeah, 23. 23. Was impersonating a 16 year old 16 and a half year old because he had aged three and a half years it's just it's also like like cosmic almost in the sense that like not in the sense that like out of all the missing people in the world he picked nicholas and he didn't even know what he looked like he just had a black and white photo 
Yeah. It's a crazy <laughs> story. Like, it's one of those things that truly you do have to see to believe. But I agree. Wow. If you're not really into true crime and you're like, I'd rather watch sports documentaries or something. <laughs> It, it was just how it was shot that was all yeah, yeah i just thought i just i thought the story was great it was just i thought it was a little simple but um not high brow enough for all steve <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding am i thumbing my nose at you is that what yes. i'm doing is that mm. <laughs> no it was it was it was fascinating it really was interesting um so thank you for sharing that. I do appreciate it. Yeah, I know no, we all do. Sure. I know I do. Um, well, I mean, this wraps us up for this week. I think next week, who's next week? Is it Riley? Sure. Okay. Um, oh, what are we watching, Riley? Is it... Um... I believe it is going to be Zodiac. Another lighthearted... <laughs> Fun well, it follows the trend of true crime, I suppose, but just a little bit less documentary. I've just learned very much that we're all deeply depressed, is what I've learned. Oh. <laughs> we all... You just learned this? <laughs> <laughs> You've known fair. us all for fair. a very long time. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, every every, every uh, film we've had has been incredibly intense in tone. and That's great. It's good. We're having some great conversations, um, but it is—it's just funny. Uh, probably because so last time Daniel's we had like, we, last time <laughs> we were like interspersing like comedy and all this stuff. Yeah, that's why you got to pick um, genres. With what? You have to alternate the genres because we had before we had genres that we had to do. That'll be season three, same style, but we'll like pick a genre or something like that. <laughs> Um, it's a cruel, cruel world out there. We're just living God, in it. it. That should be our tagline. Rule. Next season's rule is just going to be like, you can pick whatever movie you want, just it can't have the vague blue shading on it because then it's not going to be a depressed film. No. <laughs> it's fair. There are uh, so many other movies that I want to be like, you need to watch this. I know. I know. So thank you again, everybody, for joining us this week. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, next week when we'll be back with Riley's pick. But uh, once again, it's not about the movies you miss. It's about the movies that matter. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.